1: a mid-trip where people believe that Christ would come in the midst of the tribulation and then there's those post-trip people believe that Christ would come after the great tribulation and then the pan-trip are the ones that say I don't care if it's pre-mid or post I'm gonna let it pan out the way God wants you pan-trip okay that's a joke anyway (laughs) but here it is Jesus Christ is coming for the church we're not appointed to wrath
0: God allows His children to experience suffering and trials. Don't believe anyone who tells you otherwise. But there's a difference between Him inflicting it and simply allowing it. There is some controversy in the church over the timeline of when the rapture will happen. But as Pastor Eddie will explain in today's message, God won't inflict His wrath on those who have already accepted Him. And He'll spare us from the tribulation. Well, Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Power of the Gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: Chapter 6, verse 10, 11 says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Think about it. Do you need to go to Israel, to the empty tomb, to kind of go there and ponder this? Think about this. Jesus rose on the third day. On the third day, Jesus rose. The power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. It's in you. And you say, I don't feel it. Oh, how close are you with the Lord? Do you acknowledge God? Do you acknowledge the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit? He's in us. And so once the Holy Spirit's in us, secondly, again, the Holy Spirit is in the center. So Jesus said, this is what Jesus said. In John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus says, and when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Later on, Jesus says, he's with you, but he will be in you because Jesus has ascended to the Father. But he said to the disciples, he's with you. He's not in you yet because I have to go up, and then I send the Holy Spirit. You see? That's the way it works. And this is what happened in in, in Acts chapter 10. You remember Peter uh, went to a Gentile home. He wasn't allowed to go to a Gentile home. He spent a night. He probably had bacon. He shouldn't have bacon, right? But nonetheless, he went to a Gentile home, Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion. He was a Gentile. And somehow divinely, the Holy Spirit called him and told Cornelius, hey, there's a man named Peter. Go get him. And Peter shares the gospel, the first home Bible study you'll find in the New Testament. And what happens? All the Gentiles came to the saving knowledge of Christ. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44, it says this. While Peter was still speaking these words The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so, here it is. When you, preachers, Carusos, Christians, witnesses, when you share the gospel, the Holy Spirit's work that's in you is going to work through you. Okay? As the Holy Spirit works in you, the preacher... The Holy Spirit now works in conviction to the hearer of the gospel. Always remember that. Keep that in the back of your head when you share the gospel. There's power in the gospel. The Holy Spirit's there. Okay, we have the word of God. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit's in you, working through you. And the Holy Spirit's working conviction on the person you're sharing the gospel to. I think once we acknowledge the power that's in the word of God and the Holy Spirit, the more effective your witnessing would be and sharing the gospel saints we have something more powerful than the whole universe number one we have christ two we have the word and the holy spirit and when we pray for our nation we pray for our community can you imagine if you boldly share the gospel of jesus christ what you can do oh praise the lord fourth and finally it's must much assurance assurance Verse 5 again, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. Paul preached the gospel with great confidence, knowing that without a shadow of a doubt, the gospel message would change their lives as it radically changed his. I don't know if you can go back to when you gave your life to the Lord and you knew who you were and you look at who you were before and what Christ has done in your life, I know many of you could say, man, that is radical. I am not the same person I used to be. And if it has supernaturally done a radical transformation in your life, how much more would you think when you share the gospel with someone else? See, that's why you're called a witness. You're a living proof of this transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the church of the Thessalonians accepted the gospel as the word of God, the end result. Their life was with full assurance of faith, faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I love when I listen to Billy Graham, one of the things he always says, I never met a man or woman that had accepted Christ and regretted it. And that really sticks to me because that's so true. Because I know it changed my life. And there's an assurance once I know that, hey, when I die, I'll enter the kingdom of heaven. When I go through my trials and tribulation, I have one who can help me. I could echo the words of the psalmist, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no needs. What do I need? I have everything. I have my Lord and Savior. And so they accepted Christ just as we accepted Christ. And there was, they were assured there was an assurance knowing that their sins are forgiven. That's an assurance. There's an assurance that they have reconciled with God. They ensured that the Holy Spirit dwelled within them. They ensured that they would now be one with God. They ensured that they would have eternal life. They ensured that when Christ comes, that we will enter in his presence be with him forever and ever. That's the assurance because of the gospel. All because of the gospel. I love that song, Blessed Assurance. And there's nothing more secure than being with Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. All right, let's finish verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Paul reminds them, it says how Paul, it was Silas and Timothy, remember Paul's with Silas and Timothy, how they conducted themselves when they were with them, you see, and that's important. Their lives were consistent with the gospel. That's what he's saying. Listen, we preach the gospel. Our lives were consistent with what we preached, and that's important for us. It's so important because once you share the gospel, you already know there is power. You already know that you ought to be sharing the gospel. But one thing for sure, know this, that when you share the gospel to anyone, they'll examine your life like never before. Because you may have planted the seed, but it may have not gone in yet. Because it's still to see, you know, I believe what he said. But let me see, he practiced what he preaches. Let me see if he's a real Christian. Again, I was reading this book about David Brennan, and uh, he was sharing the gospel to Indians. And the Indians, they didn't want the white man's religion because they saw they were hypocrites. There's hypocrites everywhere. And people would say, I don't go to church because they're hypocrites. Well, say you don't go to church because they're hypocrites. I say it. I'm not going to go to the gym because they're fat people there. Or I don't want to go to the hospital because there's sick people there. doesn't make sense. And say, so I haven't found the right church. But when I do is say, don't do it because you're going to mess it up. We need to set the example. We need to practice what we preach there. Watch watching. Verse 6, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word. That is the gospel. In much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit after their conversion uh, to the gospel of Christ the Thessalonians were being persecuted as I mentioned we'll see that throughout the letter and that happens to all of us some of us more than others and I dare say uh, to, it happens more so to the ones that share the gospel they're Christians that go through persecution because they're Christians you know, may not get the position. That's not persecution. I don't think, again, here in the West, in the United States, we have no idea what persecution is as a Christian. We have no idea. But I'm not talking about just acting like Christians. I'm talking about those who really share the gospel. You know, if you're one of those, you are being persecuted, for real. Jesus, and I'll tell you why, because Jesus said in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace In the world, here it is, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You will have persecution. If someone "If you come to Christ, you have no more problems, they lie to you. That's another gospel. (laughs) That's false. Paul said, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, what? will suffer persecution. And this should be of no surprise to any of us. It shouldn't be a surprise to any Christian because almost 2,000 years ago, the Bible told us, Jesus said you would suffer persecution because you are a Christian. Later on in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes this. First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 3. No one should be shaken. You should not be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we are appointed to this. Isn't that great? You're appointed to affliction? That's awesome. Well, that's exactly what Peter, James, and John, remember when they were arrested by the Sanhedrin council in the book of Acts, they say, hey, we forbid you to preach this name. They didn't even say Jesus. And then they beat them up and then they let them go. And they, with, you know, busted lip and big lumps in their head and all beat up, they tore, they, their clothes are probably torn. and says, praise the Lord. We count it worthy. Look, we got beat up for Jesus. That was the early church. Now, to the world and those outside of Christ, it's impossible for them to experience. Joy and affliction simultaneously. Sorrow and is opposite of joy. is not in n- man's nature. Nature. The natural man, when they suffer affliction, they don't know how to get to joy. Because if they don't have Jesus, there is no joy. It's different for the people in the world, because that's the natural man. Yes, we're natural, but now we're spiritually alive through Jesus Christ. That's why we're born again. It's the spiritual part of that. Natural man does not and cannot experience the two together. However, those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we can experience the joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy through, through tribulation. That's what makes us different from everybody. And because our joy is not based on circumstances, that's happiness. Happiness is temporary. Circumstances, no, joy is permanent. And only a Christian, those who have placed their faith in Christ, could experience that joy in the midst of trials and tribulation. In the midst of trials and tribulation, and the reason why we can have this joy because joy is not so much in the word, joy is in the person Jesus Christ. John, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 11, "These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. My joy, the joy of Christ, and that your joy may be what full, not partial, not halfway." Not only when you need it, it's always going to be in there. Why? Because we always have Christ. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall to various trials. How many practice that? You probably think James is weird. I know he's a believer in Christ. He's actually a half-brother of Jesus. It's annoying that your testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. Let it, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It builds you. See, the Christians say, yeah, bring it on. You know, to the world, it'll break them. To you, it'll make you. And through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. But we also glory in what? Tribulations. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're in good company. Most importantly, you're in good company with Jesus. You think about persecution. Jesus died on the cross. When you and I go through tribulation, and, and we will, what do we do? We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus, and when we look to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, what he does, he dispenses that joy. You see, eternally, inter- externally, we may go through that tribulation, but eternally, Christ is in us. There's a joy, unspeak- unspeakable joy, everlasting joy. Verse 6, And they became followers of us, of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, verse 7, so that you became example to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. The joy and their faith in the midst of persecution in the midst of affliction, was a perfect example that their testimony went all through Macedonia care. That's more south of uh, Asia Minor, south of Thessalonica, and all those cities, they, they became an example. Saints, we need to be example to those not only outside the church, but in the church. Macedonia care, there were Christians, there were believers, and they set the example. Be surprised. You know, quite often we think that we only... May you know misrepresent Christ to an unbeliever, but we could also affect a believer in the church Because of who we are and how we act I remember a while ago I had this um, brother in Christ. He says he told me Something that you know somebody in the church really offended him and hurt his feelings But what I said to him I said I'm glad it happened to you because he was strong in the faith I said I'm glad it happened to you it didn't happen to anybody else because right after he shared how he was, so he said, you know, but God, he he encouraged me actually. <laughs> you know? But how many people don't go to church because a brother so-and-so, a sister, so-and-so? You know, that's what Paul said. Listen, you set the example of the Macedonian and Cai and they believe. Verse 8, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded off. Sound it off. For you students of the word, those two words, sound off, uh, only mentioned here in the New Testament. It means to blast forth, to sound off like a trumpet, something that rings out, the sound that goes, goes forth very intensely. And that's how they share the gospel. They share the gospel. And it was like a blast of a trumpet. What a great testimony for a church. First, here we see that the gospel came to them. Second, the gospel... They received the gospel, and thirdly, the gospel went f- from them. That's the way it should work. You will share the gospel. You, are, you now are, have eternal life because someone placed their faith in Christ, and they share the gospel to you. Now you receive the gospel. Hopefully, you're sharing the gospel to those out there. Verse 8, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonian camp, but in every place. Now because of that, look what it says your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. Maybe, who knows, this was during Paul, when Paul met them, was doing his second missionary journey, and probably Paul meant to go to Macedonia Caia or other areas and say, what do we need to go there for? Man, these guys, these Thessalonians, they're on fire for Jesus. They already hit that area. There's another church there. They didn't need to say anything. Verse nine, for they themselves declared concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Don't miss this here. The first thing they did was turn. How you turned, that's where we get that repentance, right? You turn one direction completely from one direction to the other, and that's to follow Christ. Now look at the order. They turn to God from idols. That's the order. We go to God first. We can't say, Lord, um, I need to get my life right. How many times have you heard that? Well, I'll go to church, but you know, I want to straighten out my life first before I go there. It's never going to happen because you can't do it on your own. That's why you need a Savior. Notice the order. Leave behind the world you have. First, go to God, and he'll take care of the rest. You see? You can't say, I'm going to go to God clean. No, you can never clean yourself. Even your righteousness, is as filthy rags. The best you can do is filthy rags. There's no righteousness, no, not one. You can never clean yourself. You have to go to God to be clean. You have to go to the cross when the, the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sins. So, the order first, it, you need to turn to God from idols to the one living, true God, the one and only God, not many gods. And so, verse 10. And to wait for his son, that's speaking of Jesus from heaven. He rose in the third day. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, sits at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming one day and one day very soon. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes this, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. This is not his second coming. He's going to descend, trumpet, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God. And the then in Christ rise first. This was their concern, those that died. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord Jesus Christ. You look at the graves, I can only imagine. There's going to be a grave robber. His name is Jesus Christ. When Jesus rose from the grave, what happened? It says over 500, right, saw him. And there were many who left their grave. Menachem, you died three months ago. I don't know. I just got up and just left my coffin and started digging out myself from this ground all of a sudden. And I heard this guy, Jesus, he's the Messiah. He's here. That's why I'm alive. Now give me some matzah. (laughs) That's how it is. Verse 10, and to wait for his son, Jesus, from heaven, whom he, the father, raised from the dead, even Jesus deliver us from the wrath. Notice this. Deliver us from the wrath to come, and we're gonna get a little bit more into it because you got this pre-trib, mid-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and then the pan-trib. Pre-trib, I'm—that's where I am. That's where I stand. There are many, 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 many scriptures. I'm so pre-trib I don't eat post-weedies. It's just joking. Then there's a mid-trib where people believe that Christ would come in the midst of the tribulation, and then there's those post-trib people believe that Christ would come after the great tribulation, and then the pan-trib are the ones that say I don't care if it's. Pre, mid, or post, I'm gonna let it pan out the way God wants you. Pantry, okay? That's a joke. <laughs> anyway, but here it is: Jesus Christ is coming for the church. We're not appointed to wrath. We could get into all that, but listen. Jesus is coming the second. His second coming, we will be with him after the great tribulation. The great tribulation you'll find if you want to read it. We're not going to be here for it, but you can read it in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. Um, If you want to read what happens to us, read chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. That applies to you and I. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 is the church. The church is still here. The church is no longer not called. It's, It's after the word church is mentioned 19 times. Note that the reason the word church disappears after chapter three is because the church is no longer the church the church is the bride 10 four and five is the heavenly scene first chapter 4 verse one is the rapture amen I'm the race.
0: you've been listening to running the race with Pastor Eddie We've been looking at some useful and applicable things in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Toward the end of this book, there are some verses that might be viewed as a test or a challenge depending on what you're going through. The author of this letter, the Apostle Paul, says to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything to give thanks. Do you have much to be thankful and grateful for today? Be reminded that Jesus coming back someday is the greatest reason to rejoice. It's a hope that you can hold on to. When the rest of the world is hopeless. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you.
1: We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com.
0: Thanks, Jessica. On our website, we also have some helpful resources to assist you in what you're learning or how you're studying the Bible. Just click on the Study Helps tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we look forward to the next edition of Running the Race.